In this report, let's talk about future-proofing your next new vehicle choice from a powertrain point of view, because doubtless you've heard all of the hype about electrification and you've got hybrids and you've got plug-in hybrids, as well as conventional internal combustion, petrol and diesel, okay? So if you buy a conventional vehicle, is its value going to tank over the next five to 10 years that you own that vehicle? And therefore, would you be better off off embracing alternatives now. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Any powertrain you like. I'm kind of Switzerland on that. Whatever you want. Australia only though. Website. Card. Now, sorry to be a bubble bursting so early in this report, but I've crunched the numbers on this. And it's like this, EVs are, can you guess, as a percentage of total sales? 2.7% of total sales for Australia in 2022 so far, which would be the latest data available to the end of October this year. That means, of course, that 97.3% of sales involve filthy CO2 belching combustion. And some of those are hybrid and some of them are plug-in hybrid, but not too many. This is called a fact and therefore, of course, liking it is optional, dude. I'll have more uplifting news on this and much greater detail about what this means for the future. But first, with the festive season fast approaching, you've really got to start thinking about gifts now. Gifts for a friend or the friends downstairs. It is the season to get properly jolly with Manscaped. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 perfect present for the well-groomed dude. Everything you need to deck the halls from face to balls and look polished just in time for Santa. Inside the Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, both with advanced skin-safe technology, plus they're waterproof. So clearing the snow out of your driveway will not be an issue. That's a white Christmas metaphor, obviously. Here in Australia, of course, it's a little more like being in an autoclave during Christmas. The risk of driveway snow, typically quite low, but it is still quite nice to keep the front yard tidy irrespective of the weather. Lawnmower 4.0 even has an inbuilt LED light. You've always wanted to be Rudolph, now you can light the way, dude. After grooming the candy cane, it's a great idea to ensure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Sulfate-free, vegan, a real pick-me-up. When they touch your sack, you'll never go back. I got that direct from Santa, by the way, and he would know. For the perfect stocking stuffer, add the Shears 2.0, a quality four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools in a compact case. You'll also get two free gifts, the Manscaped boxes and the Shed travel bag, both purpose-built to secure your valuables. Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Your sack, dude, not Santa's. Just for complete disambiguation, go to manscaped.com slash autoexpert and use the promo code AEJC for free shipping and 20% off. That's 20% off, two free gifts and free shipping with promo code AEJC at manscaped.com slash autoexpert. Manscaped, add some polish to your repertoire these holidays. 
Okay, so inconveniently, 2.7% of cars are electric and the rest aren't. I think we established that earlier. These data all come from the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries. It's the one useful thing they do. 24,000 electric cars have been sold so far this year to the end of October out of almost 900,000 total sales. That's the fact of it. Okay, this leaves 874,000 vehicles, which are just brand new combustion vehicles, hybrids, whatever, added to the fleet so far this year. So I bet you didn't think the proportion of electric was that low, dude. And you'd have to expect all of these vehicles to be in service for the next 12 to 15 years. And let's not forget, we've got a fleet of light vehicles of something like 15 million, which is rather a lot, like 15 million vehicles if they're all four metres long, that stretches 60 million metres, which is 60,000 kilometres, which is roughly 15 trips across the nation from east to west, so there's that. Now I get two kinds of inquiries and comments on this kind of thing, okay? And the first one is a comment from YouTube. This one is emblematic. It's from a dude named Ralph Toivonen who goes, lol, moving to EVs will happen in a very short time. <laughs> will it, Ralph? And what percentage of the Australian population will have their weekends ended? Scott Morrison was right. Okay, so show me the electric ute. Show me the electric all-terrain 4x4. Just show it to me, Ralph. Like, if you could buy one of those today, then fine. But if you go out on the highway on a Saturday or a Sunday or during any of the holiday periods, you will see a preponderance of 4x4s, SUVs and utes and they'll all be towing big heavy boats, vans, whatever. The chitois to, <coughs> excuse me, Dingo Piss Creek, etc. There is no electric vehicle that will do that. And in fact, if you do just this much research, dude, have a look at what happens to towing capacity in particular when you shift to an EV. Go to America, you know, virtually on YouTube, and just look at some of the American reviews of F-150 Lightnings doing the tow thing and see what happens to the range and then evaluate that in the context of the distances that people typically drive while towing in Australia. So we'll get to the moving to EVs will happen quickly in just a sec. I got this also by email from a dude named John Aquilina who I get where he's coming from and here's what he says. He says, I'm seriously considering thinking of purchasing a small EV for my wife in about two years. I've been watching all your YouTube shows on EVs and I'm not looking to buy one for environmental reasons. I currently have a 2019 diesel Santa Fe Highlander, so an EV will future-proof our transportation needs. Just a note, most of her trips are between 10 to 50 kilometres daily, mostly 10 kilometres of suburban driving. Okay, so at the outset, I can kind of see where Mr Aquilina is coming from here because he wants future-proofing and an EV, this small EV, will do the driving that his wife needs to do. I kind of get that, even though it doesn't exist, right? There is no tiny EV available in the country at the moment. They all tend to be big and expensive, the smallest two probably Tesla Model 3 and MG ZS EV. They're not exactly Kia Picanto-sized cars that you would typically associate with the little lady doing 10 kilometres of running every day in, are they? So there's that, and they tend to be expensive as well. So 
Let's look at the composition of the fleet, 15 million vehicles, all right, and the sales composition, new car sales, 1 million vehicles, ballpark, every year, okay? If the fleet stagnates in size and we magically change all new vehicles to electric, that's a 15-year project to replace every vehicle currently on the road with an EV. That's just basic mathematics, that's how long it takes. And we would be retiring 1 million vehicles every year, okay? This is a huge number of vehicles in total that we need to think about replacing, all right? Like I said, it's 15 lanes wide of gridlock stretching from Perth to Sydney. That's a lot of cars. And it's not going to happen like that because those vehicles cannot be supplied in that volume currently, is it? So if we looked at maybe one in every two vehicles being electric for the foreseeable future in terms of the sales composition in dealerships, that's a 30-year proposition. If it's one in every four, it's a 60-year proposition. This is starting to look like a multi-generational project, is it not? So anybody who says that this transition is going to be rapid is off with the fairies. And the obvious conclusion that I have to draw from this is that Liquid fuels and liquid fuel powered vehicles are going to be part of the mix for at least the next two decades. And therefore, a premium type of vehicle like Santa Fe Highlander, which Mr. Aquilina owns now, that is going to be still popular over the context of the next decade, because it just is. There's somebody who's going to want that. And the inconvenient problem with EVs, of course, is that they're 50% more cost just based on equivalence. You know, you want the same thing in an EV, it's going to cost you 50% more. So I just want that to be like the commercial logistic fact-based framework that we're looking at here because I get so many emails from people who go, oh, I don't want to be left with a valueless lemon if I spend 50, 60, 70 grand on a diesel SUV now or something of that nature. Dude, it's not going to happen, okay, because the transition to EVs cannot happen rapidly. You just can't, okay? Let's look at what we're buying, okay? So in addition to the whatever it is, 24,000 EVs that we've bought so far this year, there's also been a few plug-in hybrids, although not many. 5,048 plug-in hybrids so far this year. That's 0.6% of the total. And they can operate as a quasi-EV for some of their running, obviously, and this is why they're a bit attractive to some people, but clearly not too many, huh? Plain old hybrids now, the non-plug-in ones, we've sold 66,175 of those. That's 7.4% of the total fleet. These are the ones that just derive their fuel efficiency benefit from uh, regenerative braking, okay? Probably mainly hybrid Camrys and RAV4s and some others, you know, but Toyota does tend to have that segment of the market cornered, don't they? We've also sold 13 hydrogen cars, technically, and dude, good luck fueling them up anywhere. They've got to just be uh, Hyundai and Toyota fleet evaluation vehicles, I'd suggest. Anyway, so if we put all of those together, we put EVs and plug-in hybrid EVs and just plain old regenerative hybrid EVs, plus those, count them, 13 hydrogen cars, that's not even 100,000 vehicles out of the almost 900,000 that have been sold so far this year. It's actually 95,105 vehicles, 
or 10.6% of the total. And the preponderance there, more than two-thirds of those, are just normal old hybrids from mainly Toyota. Okay, So 89.4% of vehicles that have been sold so far this year are just plain old internal combustion only vehicles. That's just how this works. And interestingly enough, 303,000 of those are diesels, right? 461,000 have been petrol. So it's roughly 150 petrols for every 100 diesels ballpark. Okay? And if you think heavy trucks might be skewing that data a little bit, there's only whatever it is, 4% of total sales are heavy trucks. That's 38,000 in total out of those 303,000 diesels. So not all that much mathematical skewing from heavy trucks, which are diesel only, right? Diesels actually dominate in light commercials, utes and vans, essentially, right? And there's plenty of diesel SUVs as well, although proportionally not so much in the SUV segment, more petrols there as well. 215,000 light commercials have been sold, and of those, 194,000 are diesels. 41 of those were electric. Okay, so not that many electric, the rest petrol. Okay, SUVs make up more than half of total sales, 53% of total sales, if you want to get right down into the granular detail, and just 12,000 out of those 473,000 SUVs were electric. That's 2.5%. And let's not forget, SUVs are growing, whereas passenger cars are shrinking. People are coming out of passenger cars and going into bigger, heavier SUVs. Okay, Passenger cars, therefore, are a dying segment, right? They contracted 10% so far this year, based on the same period last year. Sales are 10% lower. While light commercials and SUVs grew because people love their SUVs and their utes. About 11,700 of the dying passenger vehicle segments, uh, total sales were electric. That's 7%, okay? But the segment is contracting and that's not going to stop anytime soon. When you look at the top 10 vehicles, all right, which are actually about a third of the market, more or less, I think it's like 31% of total sales are locked into the composition of the top 10. So it's a bit of a window into the market more broadly without all of the noise of vehicles that sell in single digits, you know. The top 10 vehicles are Ford Ranger, Toyota Hilux, Toyota RAV4, this is in order, by the way, Mazda CX-5, MG ZS, the D-Max, Kia Sportage, MG3, Land Cruiser, and ASX from Mitsubishi, okay? Two vehicles in that list of the top 10 are available in eco variants, and that would be the RAV4, which is available as a hybrid. Total sales of RAV4 are not just the hybrid, though, but some of them are. And the MGZS, which is available as the MGZS EV, Australia's cheapest EV. I'd suspect however, that most MGZS is sold are the petrol ones, so there's that. You can't buy an electric ute though, can you? And three of those vehicles are utes, the Ranger, the Hilux, and the D-Max. There's also Land Cruiser there, and they're, all the four of those are morbidly obese, let's not forget, and the other two, which would be the Sportage and the ASX, well, they've got something of a weight problem compared with if you wanted to have a fuel-efficient sort of light car. There is only one fuel-efficient light car 
of conventional powertrain in the top 10, and that's the MG3. And I'd suspect that it's not there for its fuel efficiency or for its overall refined brilliance. It's more likely to be there because it's cheap. You can't buy an electric ute, can you? Or an electric all-terrain vehicle like a Land Cruiser. They just don't exist, the hardcore 4x4s. Not in electric powertrain anyway. And if you could, it would not tow the boat or your chitois as far as you would want in many cases, which in some cases would be all the way to the creek, if you know what I mean. I want to bring you a quote from T-Dub now, of T-Dub and the Spice Girls fame. He's the cheese over there at the FCAI, the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, the car industry's grabby little lobby group. He says, quote, It is important to note the continuing strong preference for SUV and light commercial vehicles in Australia. Consumer preference for these vehicles needs to be considered when charting any policy designed to increase the uptake of zero emission vehicles. This is particularly critical given the low availability and high price points of zero and low emission models in these segments. It is extremely worrying for a man such as me to find myself nodding in furious agreement with the boss of the car industry's grubby little lobby group. I do hope lightning does not strike twice there. Anywho, what do you infer from all of this? Well, if I was you, I'd be inferring that the decision to buy a petrol or diesel vehicle for the next five to ten years would be reasonably defensible and safe because if you amortise the cost of that vehicle over 10 years, you'd have to say that its value at the end of 10 years was going to be trivial anyway, right? So if you look at it in the five-year term, there's no way that a heap of the fleet is going to be electric over the five years that you are really likely to own your next new car. And obviously, we could look at this in five years' time and then plot the next five years with some sort of greater accuracy. But for all of the hue and cry about environmental virtue and, you know, I know that climate action was a pivotal factor in the recent federal election. But if you follow the money, dude, like you look at what people do actually with their money today, the last place that the median car buying Australian takes environmental action is when they buy a new car.